Welcome to Parlay Me Power Players. This is a podcast that explores the latest entrepreneurs, startups, founders, business leaders, and even enterprises that are changing the game. We call them the disruptors. You might see them as your mentors or maybe even your colleagues, but we are so excited to bring to you each week someone we find either fascinating, progressive, or someone that's really making changes in all kinds of industries. We are agnostic in what we cover, so we cover everything from mobility to AI to food and produce, you name it, we cover it. But most importantly, we want to showcase to you entrepreneurs that are really making a difference and making the world a better place. So get ready for our first edition of Parlay Me Power Players. Alrighty, so folks, welcome to our first edition, yes, our first podcast of Parlay Me Power Players. We're very excited to have with us today two co-founders from Brightly. Yes, now Brightly, we're going to find out all about them. Um, they're basically what I gather you guys are revolutionizing, if you will, conscious consumerism. I'm here and I'm joined with both Laura and Lisa, and they're both the co-founders of Brightly. Welcome to the first podcast for Parlay Me Power Players, Thank ladies. Thank you so much. We're, nice we're excited to, to be here. <laughs> oh, good. Well, it's so great to have you. And I will try to pronounce your last name, so give me a chance. Um, and hopefully I pronounce them correctly. We've got Laura Wittig and Lisa yep, Moseva. Yep, Is that good. correct? Perfect. Yep. Yep. Excellent. And you guys are both based in Oakland, California. Yep. Is that right? The Bay Area. Yes. Um, so we're Bay Area. Yep. Nice. Nice. In in the thick of it and start up in the thick of it, folks. So look, it's a very exciting time to drive in. We'll get into how you guys are doing what you're doing and what you're doing exactly. Um, but I wanted to first congratulate you both on being, you know, inducted, if you will, into the Snapchat Inc. Uh, yellow incubator. This is huge news, which was just released last week. Um, how are you guys feeling? Excited, <laughs> right? Very excited. Yes, very excited. Wow, it's it's a three month intensive uh, kind of incubator, if you will. Is that correct or accelerator? Yes. Um, so we so being that we're based in the Bay Area, um, we've actually relocated down to LA for three months. Um, I'm actually recording this from the Snap um, Yellow offices, which is super exciting. Oh. So we're very um, close with the employees and um, are just really thrilled that Snap sees the potential in both what Brightly is doing, but also in the future of um, what they're calling media and community and commerce companies. It's just really, really exciting to be a part of this. And- and also Absolutely. It's to, uh, yeah. to see how Snap is re- recognizing the importance of uh, running a sustainable social business. Um, I'm, I'm very excited about that. Yeah, absolutely. They're recognizing the next game changers, that's for sure. And I read a little bit, you know, not to quote them directly, but from their core mission statement, they're all about empowering the future of mobile content, storytelling, creators will push the artistic boundaries, if you will, of mobile content. So we'd love to get into that a bit further about how Brightly's kind of doing that with, you know, um, your platform and building community and whatnot. Um, firstly, just to let, you know, listeners out there know a little more about you guys, 
I um, did a bit of online stalking, if you will. <laughs> do. Um, and I saw on LinkedIn, you describe yourselves as a curated discovery platform for all things ethical and sustainable. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what that means? And I guess your target audience um, being millennials and Gen Z, I mean, everything's consumed conscious consumerism these days I don't want to say everything but it's definitely a hot topic how are you guys kind of differentiating yourself in that space and what do you do exactly because I'm sure you can explain it a lot better than I can (laughs) for sure Um, so Brightly is the destination for conscious consumers online Uh, we like to say we are your field guide for doing good so when you um, whether you're listening to our podcast which is called good together um, where we showcase quick 30-minute episodes around living ethically and sustainably every day or you are accessing our web platform and consuming content that way or you're engaging with the rest of our community of change makers on Instagram, Facebook, et cetera, you are part of this movement that we are very fortunate to um, be creating and spearheading. And I mean, I think, you know, at the end of the day, people are looking for ways to give back to the planet. We, everyone can agree that there are all sorts of things working against um, good for the world right now. And it can be really frustrating when you, turn on the news or do a quick Twitter or Facebook uh, scroll to see what's going on, um, you know, in the world around you. So from our perspective, we operate from a position of positivity, of action, um, and of, again, curation, because there are, to your point, a lot of things out there right now, both in terms of information, brands, products. And so we do a very comprehensive vetting process by which we we make sure that everything that comes through our platform um, is ethical and sustainable. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, look, you guys definitely have a point of difference with the way you're building community through your podcast and through building content. I think this is obviously key to your business, um, your point of difference and your business structure. We'll get into that a little bit. I just wanted to a little bit on your history. You're both very talented women and have worked um, quite progressively. Um, let's start with you, Laura. Um, you, you've worked for Google, Adobe, Sephora, um, very much in kind of product manager positions. How did these roles kind of equip you to start brightly and and uh, what kind of, I guess, uh, skill set did it bring to the role for you to give you the ammunition to go forth? Absolutely. So I actually got my career started in tech um, by working at Amazon, early days Amazon in the fashion vertical. Um, That came about because I had always been passionate about fashion. I actually, right out of school, was able to attend New York Fashion Week from an editorial perspective. Loved that. Um, But also on the side was constantly building things online. So coding, designing, doing these really exciting, um, you know, what now is thought of as like traditional tech roles on the side um, and actually ended up went going to work for Amazon. I was responsible for scaling the fashion vertical there through various channels like email. And um, as I was there, I got very good at that job, which was exciting. But I also started to realize that I myself through my professional career was actually 
actually contributing to the negative fast fashion cycles that we see today. Um, my job is literally to like hop into people's inboxes and say like, you should buy this now, right? Like, and, and the psychology works, um, you know, like any marketer, Lisa included, will tell you that having these types of, um, you know, very anxiety driven, almost shopping call to actions work. Um, and so I personally started to think through yeah, what, what am I doing? I don't feel good about this. Um, and so, yes, fast forward that into I spent time at Google in social impact search, um, where my job was to connect people who were coming to Google in need of help. Um, if they were undergoing a crisis, we would actually connect um, users to the most appropriate crisis hotline in their region. Um, and, and that to me, of course, I did stints at Adobe and Sephora in various product management positions. But in terms of understanding, um, you know, how all of these things play into the genesis of Brightly, there's two things there. One is realizing that social impact and social good work, in my mind, is best um, completed when it is in the hands of a for-profit model. Now, that is kind of controversial, but I think that when businesses can marry profit and social change, that is going to be where you get to scale. And so the second point I was going to make is trying to understand how to create a, a giant company, a company that scales, because in our mind, conscious consumerism, while it is a hot topic right now, has really just had the surface scratched. And we want to create a giant business that is going to change the world through the power of community actions, um, whether that's shopping or striking up a conversation with your um, best friend about what is recyclable, what's not. So scalability um, and, and tech experience um, for me has been a really interesting piece of that puzzle. Absolutely. Well, fantastic. It's always so intriguing to speak to startup founders, especially that have um, such a technical background as you do. Um, and no, so that's fabulous. So it looks like you bring a lot to the team, so to speak. Yeah. Lisa, tell me a little bit about your, I guess, your passion and also your work experience. Um, I see you You've you've got an amazing <laughs> CV as well that I that I stalked mm -hmm. on LinkedIn. Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing over the last you know yeah, five to ten years. Um, yeah, so I like to start by saying that I never had a uh, job experience where I didn't work for a mission oriented company. Um, so that was important to me. Me and Laura, I think we actually both studied international relations in college, uh, but we just had a slightly different uh, route to to Brightly, uh, if you will. So, yep. yeah, so my background is international relations, international development, poverty alleviation. So I started um, out of high school. I kind of was asking myself a question, how can I create the most impact? And um, that's why I started um, in the U.S. studying international relations. Um, I did believe that, you know, international, large international organizations like, you know, UN or the World Bank. In the beginning, I thought they were the answer. I quickly realized that not necessarily that, you know, most social impact uh, is created on the ground by nonprofit organizations working in the countries with the people affected um, by different social issues and social problems. Um, and then out of college, I uh, had internships in the microfinance organization, and I, uh, which is a great tool for solving global poverty. And that is how I got 
to know uh, Mohamed Yunus. He's the fa- uh, founder of Grameen Bank. Uh, he's also the Nobel Peace Laureate for his work uh, uh, in microfinance. But he's also a huge proponent of the idea of the social business, kind of what Laura was talking about. The idea that businesses should exist not just for the sole purpose of making money, but for, for the purpose of solving any given social issues as, as well. And this is where me and Laura really think up um, very strongly on is the fact that I truly believe that businesses are the most impactful solutions for global problems, be it global poverty, uh, environmental crisis, climate change, access to education, and so on and so forth. I uh, have um, my previous experience with, with Globin and Fair trade artisan box subscription uh, which is you know I do think that fair trade is a great tool for solving global poverty um, and on that end mm-hmm. I did a lot of learning in terms of um, not just fair trade and you know sourcing pro- products from around the world but also on the marketing and community building side uh, for me I never want you to sell you anything I probably won't sell you an iPhone um, but I love building communities. I think that's what's the most important thing. Uh, it's not enough to be an ethical brand. Um, as you mentioned, you know, and sustainability is not a trend anymore. There's tons of options for consumers. There's a lot of even uh, brand saturation, I think, to some extent. Um, so you have mm-hmm. to stand uh, out using some different things. And I think brand ethos, founder story, and most importantly, connecting to your cu- customer, to your consumer, is the most important thing that brand can do to uh, differentiate themselves and to ultimately scale. Uh, so yeah, this is kind of my background, uh, marketing, growing a subscription box business to 12 million in revenue, and uh, most importantly for me, building communities. Fantastic. Well, guys, you are very well equipped to to do, do brilliantly. Um, I... I wanted to know just quickly, like, how did you both meet um, and how did you decide to start your business together? Um, how did that come about? Well, um, Laura, I'll, I'll briefly discuss and you can add whatever <laughs> you think I missed. Yeah, we've uh, we've known each other for a few years. Uh, so definitely, uh, it, I think it helped us, you know, to establish a relationship. And um, we also were passionate about the same things like ethical fashion, uh, helping other ethical brand scale and things like that. So, um, Laura, you want to kind of extrapolate <laughs> in more details on this? For sure. I mean, so Lisa and I connected through specifically through um, there's another podcast out there called The Spirit of 608, which is hosted by um, a woman named Lorraine Sanders, who's very passionate about identifying startups that are in the sustainability fashion space. Um, And so she and I both had appeared separately on the podcast and um, had noticed that um, there were various in-person meetups. So we actually met um, as friends um, wa- who were interested in the sustainable fashion space, um, you know, literally started to just meet each other for wine and hangouts and things like that. And, um, you know, really started to think through what it would look like to work together um, when I had been doing some early tests with Brightly, um, kind of got things off the ground in terms of a brand and overall ethos and community, um, but realized quickly that um, in order for the company to scale, I needed to bring on a partner who would help me build out our audience um, and do it from a really smart growth hacky type of way. And like I said, I got my career started in marketing and that was literally the 
first and only job that I, I had in marketing. So it's been quite a while. I'm abreast of some of the changes, but I knew, you know, they always say the best way that you can, um, you know, ensure success for early stage ventures is to surround yourself with people that know more than you do. Um, Elisa is certainly one of those people. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that makes sense. So would you describe yourself more, uh, Laura, you're kind of more a technical co-founder and Lisa's more kind of the content creation, community building, or do you kind of overlap? Um, I mean, I, you know, the interesting thing too, I think female founders particularly face um, a lot of headwinds. Um, we know that last year, very small amounts of VC actually went to female founders. I, I think it was something like 3% or 6%, 3%, definitely below yeah. 10%, um, 3%. And so um, one of the things that's interesting is, you know, there is this classic, um, I want to say the word trope, because I think it is where founders have to be classified as like technical and non-technical. And I think that that is um, not necessarily the best um, way to go about it. But yes, I mean, in terms of like skill sets, yes, I did the um, the development of the Brightly platform um, from a coding perspective and a design perspective. Um, however, I do also have, um, you know, a deep love of content. So yes, yeah, so in terms of there, there is some, some inner, um, some overlapping there, but yeah. And I mean, and it, of course this is nothing to do. Um, I'm not trying to attack you or anything like that, but it's one of those things as, as female founders, I think in, in founders in general, I think we need to push back. There's so many different ways now that um, companies can actually create MVPs without having mm-hmm. to write a line of code. There's a lot of no code type things coming out there. And from a product management perspective, um, the faster you can get out in front of your audience and test something and iterate quickly, the better. And so we've seen so many success stories of people, even who who were able to come out of the gate hot by establishing just a really basic, like even weightless landing page. So um yeah, that's my long answer. But yes, I uh, hopefully that gives you an insight into sort of how we divide and call. Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, you wear many hats um, in startups, that's for sure. And it's not just one. It's great if you do have a, I, I agree with you, uh, a team where you can do that and switch out um, and kind of, you know, support each other where you can. You guys are actually podcast uh, professionals yourselves. You have a podcast mm-hmm. um, with both co-host are called good together is that Mm -hmm. correct yeah yeah it's a weekly though it's a weekly and i think we we are switching to bi-weekly uh this time around um yeah podcast is a lot of work and we were super super fortunate uh we were featured by apple uh in just uh 10 episodes we were featured on their homepage. we were in the top 150 podcasts in the u.s which i don't know if you know there are 800,000 podcasts in the U.S. alone, which is crazy, and it's growing rapidly. Uh, we were number one in the leisure category. And again, this is just show, showing us that, again, sustainability is not a trend. Apple had a homepage placement for conscious consumers section around Black Friday, uh, which I think was very powerful and helpful to us uh, as well. And yeah, uh, we, as you mentioned we do a weekly, bi-weekly uh, podcast episodes, but uh, the main kind of outcome of each episode, we want it to be uh, to leave our listeners with daily actionable tips that they can implement in their life to uh, li- 
lead a more eco-friendly, sustainable lifestyle. So, for example, we chat about things like how to reduce your food waste or how to maybe rethink your diet uh, a little bit and start eating less meat. Or, again, the Black Friday episode was a popular one, how to shop ethically during holidays when, when you're inundated with all the marketing and sales material. Um, wow. So, yeah, we're taking specific uh, sustainability uh, topics. We research it, but we present it in an accessible way that everyone can understand. You don't have to have a PhD. You don't have to uh, be forced into living a zero-waste lifestyle. We really want to uh, empower billions of people to take the small actions towards sustainability rather than having thousands of people uh, live a zero-waste lifestyle. Fantastic. I particularly love your latest podcast, How to Buy Nothing for a Year. I could could certainly learn a lot from that, uh, being a blogger myself. Um, So so tell me um, a little bit about your platform. So I'm a consumer. I go to your platform. I want to kind of, you know, look at the latest uh, eco-fashion, home furnishing, whatever the verticals you have. Um, How do you guys kind of go about, I guess, curating and onboarding uh, new eco brands? Because as we mentioned, there's a lot out there. There still aren't enough, I'm sure. Um, But, yeah, how do you kind of, I guess, product test them, screen them, vet them so that you can assure that your community, you know, it's a trusted community and you know consumers are going there and they know they're going to get a good thing, so to speak. For sure. And I'm glad that you brought up the word trust because that's actually within our, um, our our guidelines as a company. We want to be the most trusted resource out there for anything conscious consumerism. So we take all of this very seriously. So basically every brand that appears on the Brightly platform as part of our brand recommendations, when you click on various categories, um, those are not paid placements. Um, we do not accept money for that. We believe very strongly in standing behind those recommendations from an unbiased perspective. So I would say 99% of the brands on the site, both Lisa and I have tried personally. Um, If there is a brand that we haven't tried their products uh, personally, we actually reach out to our community and um, make sure that they have a, sorry, they have vetted the product from a, like a, a quality standpoint. Um, in addition to the, the product quality, we do a lot of digging into, into understanding whether or not the brands are actually ethical and sustainable. So if brands have certifications, we ask to see those. We also ask to understand more about their supply chains, ask for transparency there, and want to make sure that, again, we are actively vetting these brands that come through. Um, and on the other hand, we also have um, opportunities for, uh, for other brands to get involved with us. Um, so we also do um, features, et cetera. Um, and those are you know part of ongoing partnerships for brands, both from an organic and paid perspective. So we want to make sure from like a business model perspective that we do have a way to work with brands on a paid, pers- um, you know, on a paid basis. Right. That being said, um, you know, we make that very strong distinction between our um our recommendations versus what appears as more like sponsored content. And we we are very upfront about all of that. Fantastic, fantastic. So um, just to get a little insight for my personal shopping needs, but also for those listening, um, what are some, I look, I'm sure they're all your children and you love them all equally as we do all our all our clients um, and, and customers. Are there any sustainable brand partners that, have kind of inspired you both or that you've perhaps done a podcast with 
recently that you've just been like, wow, this is kind of the real deal? Because um, as you mentioned, there are a lot of companies out there that might say they're ethical and it's kind of the hot buzzword and I guess it's your your mission to kind of sort that out for everyone. Um, but, yeah, is there someone out there that's kind of stood out to you in the sustainable uh, brand landscape? Yeah, yeah, and I'll go mm-hmm. first, but Lisa and I both have a yeah. ton of thoughts on this. So the one that I personally love the most in terms of um, what what actually has lasted for me and what I get stopped on the street um, it was, is going to have to be Ni Solo. Um, Ni Solo makes shoes and handbags and accessories, both for women and men, um, and they have worked for years with artisans around the world to create these beautiful, um, beautiful items that last a long time. Um, of course, like we being in the space ourselves for many years have seen a lot of brands come and go. But for me, the one that the the one that stood the test of time is Nisolo, Solo. And I'm sure Lisa's got a favorite too. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to give a shout to another shoe brand really quickly. All birds. I think a lot of people, folks hopefully know them already and they make amazing sustainable sneakers made. I think now they're testing the sugar cane, um, uh, for the, their shoe soles, and then they also have the, the original wool sneakers. But the best part, and my favorite part about them, is that they made their technology uh, of their product, how they use these materials, create the shoes, open source, so any brand can take it, uh, which is absolutely I res- really respect them for doing that. Uh, another one is of course Patagonia. Patagonia has been probably the yeah. pioneer in the ethical. Um, sustainable space and what i also love about them is not only they're sometimes in their marketing campaigns and literally encouraging us not to buy this jacket right uh they also have a repair pro- uh, program that you literally can just take it if some if your jacket is ripped or something you take it to their store they repair it for free for you so it's a lifetime uh, basically a program product guarantee uh, and also they also still even though they pioneer i think they might be the biggest truly ethical brand out there in terms of market value they still recognize that they even they are imperfect and they're still learning and they still have a lot of work to do in terms of being 100 percent sustainable um, so these are my two favorite ones you know obviously you guys are a global platform um, you not you don't just focus on North American brands and whatnot. Um, that said, you must have a global uh, community. Is that right? Where are you, where are you seeing if you can share? I guess the strongest following is it North America, Europe. Um, are there any areas that are kind of surprising you in regards to um, followings and community? Yeah, uptake? no, that's, that's a great that's a great question. For sure. Um, and so I think I might actually detect an Aussie accent um, on you. Is that is that right, January? I'm guilty as charged. Wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. So um, in terms of a, of, a, of a place that is surprising us, um, it's, it's certainly, I have to say, Australia. So Australia, I think, um, has been an amazing hotbed of ethical and sustainable brands that we are just kind of starting to dive into and understand more. Um, we'd love to learn from our from our Aussie counterparts and see what's going on there. Of course, being that we're based in North America, we have quite a following here, um, both just from our, our, our local communities and also um, across the U.S. I think Canada has always been a great a great spot for ethical and sustainable brands, and also finally the U.K. Um, so I think. One of the interesting things that's been um, that's that's been a privilege for us to, to watch has been the trend and understand how it's happening across across the world. Do you model yourselves off any other 
I guess, e-commerce businesses or do you kind of take, I guess, boast your string from many things? You know, there's so many powerhouse e-commerce sites out there all across the world. Or let me better frame the question. When it comes to creating e-commerce platform, um, how how are you kind of like the intersection of content and commerce? Have you learned anything from other, I guess, e-commerce platforms that have come before you? Um, are there any anything that you kind of, you know, there is a motto in um, startup land, if you can copy it and do it better, <laughs> it, it's great. Yeah, so there, there's, a few, there's a few people that we like to look to. I mean, one, I think, um, is Glossier. Mm-hmm. So Emily Weiss, um, her beauty company has just always been a best-in-class example of how to build up a community around physical products. And yeah. I think um, so we we often look to her her example. Um, you know, of course, she also started with content, um, and then later kind of went into the physical product realm. So we think that's super interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, we also like to look to um, areas like the Athletic. Um, the Athletic is a content first um, platform um, specifically around sports news, but they've done some really interesting um, tests into community spaces. So we really are a very hybrid model between. Um, you know, what would be thought of as an old media company, um, you know, intersecting with a little bit of a consumer social perspective and alongside commerce. So this is, these are very early days for Brightly. And we literally just took the um, curtain off of our web experience around Black Friday of last year. So very, very new. Uh, we've got a lot of exciting things in store. So if, you know, if the audience is interested in keeping up with us, we're, of course, at brightly.eco, like eco-friendly on the web. You can find us um, on Instagram and social at brightly.eco as well. And, um, you know, sign up for our email newsletter to get notified when we start going into more of these verticals like we talked about. Um, and, you know, just engage in the conversation with us. Like we are constantly receiving emails, DMs, voicemails from our community um, who want us to help them answer specific questions. So um, actually the other day, somebody uh, called us and said, or not called us, they uh, left us a voicemail and said, um, you know, we're really interested in understanding what we should do when we buy a new cell phone. Mm-hmm. Like what, what are the ethics around buying wow. cell phones? And, you know, this is something that Liz and I were like, wow, that's really interesting. Let's get researching. So anyway, we like to act as the research muscle there um, and get really excited about helping people from that that's perspective. Fantastic. You can also almost do uh, user guides, consumer user guides of, by verticals on you know, how to how to pick something sustainably. That's brilliant. So so um, lastly, I, I know we're, we're, we've got to keep this short. I love to talk because I'm Australian. but um, <laughs> And I love, I'm really passionate about what you guys are doing. I, I fully believe that it's so important that businesses are sustainable, eco-friendly, and that you are empowering consumers to think like this is really admirable. I, I just wanted to finish with one last question for you. Um, now that you're part of Snap Inc. Yellow, <laughs> um, what what it's going to be a fast and furious three months for you, I'm sure. But what are you looking to achieve um, whilst you're there? And how do you believe it will take your business to the next level? 
Uh, so we're really excited to be here in LA. LA is a great place to be for content creators. So we're we're thrilled to be able to connect with other people in the space from that perspective. We're also excited to learn from the best in the business at um, consumer social and content creation. So Snap provides a lot of resources for us to be able to chat with other luminaries mm-hmm. or have office hours with um, people who are relevant to us. So those are the exciting benefits that we're getting out of the um, out of the program. And then, as far as what we're looking to accomplish, um, we're looking to you know demonstrate um, you know traction and growth um, so that we can you know come out strong from this um, from this program. So you know we've got a few projects that we're working on, a few initiatives, and so for us, it is truly just heads down working all the time. All of those classic startup stories you hear, they're happening right now, um, but we're, we're really excited. Well, I really thank you for taking the time because I know that every minute is important, especially when you're, um, you're at the yellow offices. So look, I'm really excited to see what features, innovations you guys have on the horizon at Brightly, and we will certainly be following your journey here at Parlay Me. Again, um, people can find you guys at brightly.eco is that right yes that's correct brilliant well thank you laura for your time um we will be following you with and we'll be you know watching your journey and we hope to catch up with you after your time at yellow and see how it all went for you